The first one came in an envelope, a faded brown envelope tied through and sealed with what looked like a shoelace. I guess before I continue, I should introduce myself. My name is Lisa Beaumont, and I am a psychiatrist. When it comes to my practice, I'm a bit different. While starting out with a more common practice of treating your everyday issue, I've since moved on to those that need a little more attention. The ones that are too far gone. On this night, I stand in the doorway of my home in the hills, overlooking the city. The city sits in the distance while I sit on the outskirts. It's a bit of a drive to really get anywhere, but I insist on keeping things quiet. And a city is just not the place for that. The city itself, encased in fog, a dome of gradient light that stretches from the city below to the dark sky above. The dull hum from a million bulbs, showing me that even in the peak of darkness and bad weather, This city still is never quiet. A strange low bank of dark rain clouds stretches across the entire Bay Area, like a thousand foot wall surrounding everything. It's only strange because it never rains here anymore. My attention snaps like a rubber band. I look back down at this mysterious parcel in my hands, already starting to soak through as heavy beaded drops fall from collecting on the doorframe overhead. The paper material is coarse and rough, handmade, custom to fit this unusual letter size. Hand sewn on the sides, a postcard rests tucked tightly inside, along with other loose items. The postcard itself, thick, and holding its shape while still bending a bit at the corners. The image of a young girl. A print of a painting. The painting itself is strange and haunting. The little girl stands center frame. I focus on her eyes first. They look lost, hollow, and sad as they stare right back at me. Not lifeless like a doll, full of life, but also full of pain. Her cheeks a flustered rosy pink. Noticing the artist took the time to render the smallest speck of light on her cheek, showing that she is actually soaking wet. I notice her pretty blue gown is soaked through as well. Wet from the rainy backdrop she stands in. Eerily similar to the scene sitting before me tonight. A dreary downtown city alleyway. The gray city of metal and concrete surround this frightened young figure, enveloping her with more dark reflected blues, greens, and reds you'd find reflecting back from any wet city night. I also notice something else in this painting. A second subject. An intentionally blurred but also intentionally placed figure in the background. Over the girl's left shoulder, a figure sits or stands. I can't quite tell. The composition of the two subjects makes it look like he's sitting on her shoulder or looking over it. Even though this photo of what I assume is a classic oil painting could be called well done, 
My mind keeps going back to who would paint something like this. This is no nobleman's daughter or some kind of royal long dead and buried. This painting looks old in style, but modern in every other way. Plus, for it to be on the back of a postcard, it would have to be old and forgotten by anyone that doesn't have any art history major or it's hanging in the corner of some museum somewhere. Neglected, except for the occasional lost art student whose attention is briefly drawn to it. But then again, I've never been one for art. The contents of this letter being a disturbing delivery for any evening, I wasn't prepared for what was left in the envelope. I shake the parcel in my hands like a child shaking a present. Audio clues don't tell much, but still send a chill up my spine. I point the envelope bottoms up in the palm of my hand and dump the contents out. A brave move. Stupid one. The small container tumbles out and sits right side up in my palm. Looks like an engagement ring box. I hesitantly open it to see a lock of hair tied into the box. My hand clenches like I stuck my finger in a socket. Bones lock up and my hand falls without choice, dropping the hair to the ground. The individual strands separate and float away. My heart takes a nosedive into my stomach as I clench the postcard still in my other hand. A tremor runs over my knuckles. I flip the postcard over to find a note scribbled on the back. The handwriting is sloppy cursive. A large, loopy capital S stands tall at the top of the letter, like a sail and mass carrying the weight of the sentence below it. My heart dropping bombs on my eardrums as I read the note. Disturbing, yet slightly poetic. The last few saved forever just for you. The sentence leaving a ring in my ears as I begin to feel watched. Paranoia causes me to quick glance around my front yard, my eyes darting around to all areas where someone could be hiding. Shocked, my mind races to any solution with a little comfort attached. A friend's prank, maybe? Although I don't have any friends like this. <laughs> oh, if I only knew. Crap, I overslept. I never oversleep. That letter wouldn't leave me alone. I came to the conclusion that it was a joke, but I don't know. I collected everything this morning to get to the bottom of it. A couple possible pranksters come to mind, but this was different. <sighs> Luckily, the usual morning rush isn't slowing me down too much, even in this weather. You see, I was supposed to be at my office ten minutes ago to sign for a package. One that I know that the sender is my Aunt Shelley from Colorado and that I'm actually expecting it. I used to spend so much time out there with her. Anyway, she left me a message saying that it's very special. <sighs> I'll be there soon. Made it into the office. <laughs> so much for a signature needed. The package sits outside my office door in the waiting area. Seeing the box, my head immediately goes back to last night. 
I can hear my heart in my ears as I walk closer to it. A medium-sized box wrapped in brown paper and loose twine. Somehow an eerie resemblance to what was left at my other door. I stand with my toes up to the box and I breathe a sigh of relief as I read my aunt's name in the little window of the parcel slip. Excited to see what my dear old aunt has sent me, I scoop up the box in my arms and head inside. Immediately, I notice the little red light in the dark blinking from my desk and creating a sort of a bat signal onto the ceiling. A message on my office machine. Wait a minute. Oh, no. I'm sure I didn't schedule him earlier. He was supposed to be at noon. But then again, things have been scattered lately. the right person. I'm trying to reach Dr. Beaumont. I hope I have the right number. I'm in a desperate situation and looking for someone to help us. I am in need of a psychiatrist. Well, it's actually for my son. He's, well, very troubled and it's been very hard to find someone willing to help him. In all honesty, I wish you were there so I could explain better, but he really needs to speak to someone Please return my call when you can. My number is 555-821-6756. Thank you. Uh, another one. I don't treat children, and it never gets easier explaining that to a mother. Yes, yes, it is. I, I'm returning a phone call from... Thank you so much for calling, Doctor. Most people don't even have the decency to do that. I've been trying to find help for my son for a long time, and he's just been getting worse. He needs to see someone who can help him. I'm so sorry to hear that, ma'am. I understand how hard this is and how hard it is to find someone to help. I'm also so sorry to have to tell you that I don't currently treat children... If I was referred to you, I greatly apologize. If you'd oh, like, I'm I... sorry. I should have explained further. See, my son is an adult. Oh, well, in that case, I'd be happy to schedule him. All I would need to do is to have him give me a call to make an appointment where we can decide if it's a good fit. Hello? Doctor, my son needs your help. I understand, but in order to help, I would need to speak to him directly. Are you a caregiver? Would you be able to see him today? Ma'am, I would like to speak with him over the phone before scheduling him an appointment. Ma'am, I'm very sorry if I am not explaining this well enough. If your son is over the age of 18 and capable of making his own decisions, he legally needs to seek psychiatry for himself. 
However, if you are a caregiver or legally in charge of his decisions, we can schedule an appointment right now. But otherwise, in order to help, he would need to call me first. Something in my gut felt wrong, like I had already written him off. Should I have taken the appointment? There's no reply. Hello? Doctor? Yes. Please meet with him. I'm afraid he's going to do something. See, he's a good boy. He just needs someone to talk to. I believe you are the one to get him through this. Ma'am, if you are worried about your son in a dangerous way, you need to call the... The phone hangs up on the other end. My mind's still spinning from that phone call. I notice my aunt's package still sitting in front of me. I didn't even notice the phone still held up to my ear. I hadn't hung it up. I notice there's no dial tone, but that faint buzz is still there. The sound starts to build again. The static building. Pulsing as it grows louder, vibrating the receiver like there was a hornet loose inside. Window washers. I take a deep breath to get my head out of this twilight zone of a morning. I should be getting my things ready for my appointment. A 48-year-old man named Miguel. He doesn't need to hear any of this. The call still fills my head. My heart sinks like I swallowed a brick. feeling fills me again as I grip the phone. Hello? 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 Dr. Beaumont? Yes. Uh, hi doctor. This is Miguel. Are you, are you okay? I thought I got the number wrong. Oh yes. Hi Miguel. I, I'm so sorry. No doctor. I'm the sorry one. I feel so bad about doing this last minute but I need to reschedule. No, no. It's totally okay. I'm a little scattered this week, so it's fine. I would have called yesterday, but it's, it's my tooth. It's been hurting for months, and my wife is sick of hearing about it. Again, I'm sorry, doctor. That is totally fine, Miguel. Please take care of that tooth, okay? I'll see you next week. Okay. Thank you so much, doctor. Jesus. All before coffee. Well, I guess I have some newfound time. I take a quick glance out of my window as I notice the window washer from before frantically pulling at his ropes as he quickly ascends back to the top of the building. My focus shifts past him as I see the thick mass of clouds moving in from the ocean and swallowing the city again. I think if coffee were to save this especially strange day, I'd better move quick. My mind still wonders about that call from before. I've had desperate mothers contact me before, but never for an adult son. She sounded so worried. Should I have seen him? Go against that rule of mine? I'm already filled with regret by the time I get to the counter. Small coffee with Rumi, please. You got it. Maybe I can contact them and get them help. No, this is exactly the kind of thinking that has gotten me into trouble time and time again. I need to say no when I mean no. 
I need to be firm when there is nothing I can do, right? Crap. I walk in and I'm stopped in my tracks. The red beam on my ceiling again showing that I have another message waiting for me. If there's anything this day has shown me, I need a new number. Hello, I'm, I'm trying to reach Dr. Beaumont. I'm calling about possibly setting up an appointment for myself. My, my name is Morgan. I believe my mother called earlier and I needed to call myself to set one up. I'm, I'm so sorry about all the confusion. My mother, she can be really dramatic and uh, I know she worries about me. That aside, if I could set up an appointment for today, that'd be perfect. We are currently staying at the Fairmont Hotel. We will be here for the rest of the day. If you are willing to meet with me and offer any kind of help, that would be greatly appreciated. Thank you, Doctor. At this moment, my clock ticks past into the afternoon and the universe seems to have answered me. Should I meet with this young man? I look in front of me as my aunt's package still sits there. This box from my lovely aunt, originally being the main purpose to my day, is now in the back seat. My curiosity is piqued, and I find myself reaching for my umbrella. The Fairmont is where I'm headed. Luckily, I decided to take a cab. Those dark clouds from last night have fully returned from their morning out at sea. The city so recently drought-stricken is now flooding with rain. Cats and dogs, fish and frogs, my aunt used to tell me. I think about the woman I spoke to before and her son, Morgan. But the mother, she was so worried. She never did tell me how she found me. The Fairmont rests in the distance at the top of the hill, overlooking everything. A building so old to the city just sits there and watches. Watches all the changes of the people and the land around her. As 99 comes closer to a close and as we get close to the 2000s, I fear a big change in this city. You can feel it. And the people. I fear for the building and the people like the Fairmont. Once representing this city in one way, suddenly losing the feeling of being home. Being somewhere strange that does everything it can to provide comfort, but it doesn't. The feeling of waking up in the back of a taxi to the feeling of falling or not knowing where you are. But I guess hotels have kind of always felt that way. Thank you. Hello, miss. Are you checking in? Oh, no. I'm, I'm just meeting someone. Thank you. You're very welcome. This place always makes me chuckle every time I'm here. Like I was saying, the city is rapidly changing along with everything in it, but somehow the Fairmont never does. I arrived a little early, so I start to wander around the lobby. This lobby honestly sits somewhere between Stephen King and the Twilight Zone. Like some ghostly bartender would trick me into selling my soul for a drink. The atmosphere heavy with thick gold frame mirrors and giant wooden staircases that look as if a Hepburn or two had recently descended them. The main staircase leads up to a grand ballroom 
where I assume some classy event is taking place. You can practically hear the champagne pop and an old piano play, but maybe I'm too far back in my head. The many foreign families crowd the lobby, coming through the revolving doors, all the different languages filling my ears. All the mothers and fathers trying to keep their children in line while checking in 20 bags a person. Too little or to no effect, kids are kids. One of those things that reminds me how similar we all really are. One of the kids whose Italian father barks at moves too swiftly between some furniture and knocks a vase onto the floor. We really aren't all that different. Shame. It was probably an antique. A voice from my left. Soft, but gentle. My mother, she makes us stay here. I've never cared for it. The pieces falling together. Please, doctor, have a seat. Before I could think, I already felt myself walking around the seat in front of this young man. The two seats face perfectly right at each other. He sits, dressed neatly. Mid to late twenties, thin figure, hair is neat and combed. In all honesty, someone visibly very sheltered and mothered. He looks younger than his age. One thing was for sure, I had never seen him before. You must be Morgan. And you must be the psychiatrist my mother's been pestering all morning. My apologies for her, she can be a strange one. Yes, my name is Lisa Beaumont. It's very nice to meet you, Morgan. I sit down in the seat in front of him and feel his eyes on me as I rest into the chair. Sitting up, remembering my posture. I like to think I'm good with sensing someone's intentions, and he felt innocent enough. As I sit and notice the rain picking up outside and getting swept under people's feet, hitting the floor in the lobby, the umbrellas rustle and shoes squeak as my attention is back to Morgan. Yeah, my... so, my... my mother, she's very dramatic, which is why I feel the need to immediately apologize. I can only imagine what she said to you over the phone to convince you to come screaming across town with no idea who you were going to meet. Maybe it was my message, right? Or maybe you're the strange one, Doctor. Right away, this man interested me. But thank you for coming. Of course. I tried to explain to her that typically one must seek psychiatry for themselves. She was definitely insistent. Yes, I told her that too. She doesn't quite understand. Is it also true that a psychiatrist will have their own psychiatrist? Yes, that's actually true. All practicing psychiatrists must see their own psychiatrist regularly. It's a way of trying to keep our own heads on straight, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. So, where's your psychiatrist? Should they be here too? Well, as a matter of fact, I'm supposed to be there right now. Oh, I see. <laughs> I don't like rules either, Doctor. Well, normally my schedule can be complicated, but in all honesty, I felt like speaking to you was more important. Well, I don't know, Doctor. How are you supposed to help me if your own head isn't on straight? He shoots me a smile that felt strangely warm for someone I'd just met. But still, a strangeness surrounded him. I'll do my best. Your best, Doctor? It's crucial. At least if you're my mother. 
Did you originally want to seek treatment? Yes, I did. But I don't know if I want to now. Well, I guess we could start earlier if you like. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Maybe about your relationship with your mother? No. This immediately filled me with worry. No? What's there to know that you don't already see sitting here in front of you? Stupid question. There it is. I saw it. The tick. A twitch in the upper lip disguised as an annoyed smirk as he rests his face in the palm of his hands. This response was different. I lean in, trying to see his face between his hands and get closer to him. Morgan? What? I can help you, but I need to see your face. He sits up, looking different. His eyes welled up, his face angry, and his posture aggressive. Why do you think you could help us? You think you're the first one she's called? No one was able to help us. Us? My mother and I. She's upstairs right now packing. She makes us come here and I can't stand it. Nobody could help me. I think I can help because I think I can understand. Understand? How do you ever think that you could understand? can't even make your own appointments. He swiftly stands up but stands next to my seat, fist clenched. Normally my body would have stiffened expecting the worst, but he just stood there. I stay seated and notice his fist tightly clenched start to loosen and fall into a relaxed position at his side. Doctor. I look up and I see the gentle face I saw when we first met. His eyes full of tears as he looks outside the rainy entrance and then down at me. When the weather's better, I like to go sit in the park. There's a rose garden there. I think you might be familiar with it. I'm there every Monday. One of their instances, I spend time outdoors. If you can find it in your heart to help me, I'll be there. Thank you again for coming. Morgan quickly leaves out of the front entrance and into the rain. I stand up and try to follow him with my eyes. Quickly losing him through the thick raindrops and condensation built up on the glass doors. This young man is more than himself or his mother let on. I stay standing in the lobby as things continue to quickly move around me. The hustle and bustle of this monument of a hotel still carries on as if nothing had ever happened. The Italian family moves up to their room. A vase was never broken, and a package was never opened. Now, where's that bartender with my drink?
this is Detective Brennan. Yes, Chief. No, no, I'm, I'm just clearing my desk. Okay. Okay, you got my attention. No, no, I'm listening. Just let me get a pin. 